Okay, great. So uh, I am really excited to dig into some concepts that are really important to the people that I work with. And um, so I am really excited to be able to talk with you mostly about masturbation, sex, prostate health, (laughs) and the risk of prostate cancer. Um, So I don't know. I'll just share just a tiny bit about my work. I work with people who have compulsive hypersexuality or compulsive hypersexuality behavior disorder, as it is in the ICD-11. Yeah. Um, so really what, and I don't know if Jamie, by the way, my team loves you. Oh, awesome. <laughs> they're like, they're like uh, one of them has subscribed. It is a subscriber, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is really cute. But the reason that this came about today talking is Someone put a comment on my channel. Don't listen to this lady. Go listen to Dr. Rena Malik. And I'm like, who's Dr. Rena Malik? And what is she telling <laughs> this person that he wants yeah. to hear? And yeah. honestly, like that's an important part of the conversation because when people have hypersexuality, which usually they don't know until they right. figure it out later on, they will look for what they want to hear. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure you probably know, you know, they'll look for what they want to hear in different places, especially from people who are credentialed. So that's why being here together is so important to me. So maybe we can break down some of these concepts and, um, you know, kind of shed some light on it for people. So that's why I'm like, uh, reach out to Dr. Rita Malik and let's get talking. And so yeah, Jamie reached out to you and Jamie told me you're from Buffalo. Are you I from am. Buffalo? Yeah. I'm, I'm from Buffalo too. Where, oh, really? Yeah. Where are you from? In Buffalo? Uh, East Amherst, Winslow area. Yeah, you are. Cool. I'm from Orchard Park. Nice. nice. So the other the bills are doing of, great. Yeah, I know. That's what I joked. I'm like, I'm a fair weather fan and the weather's looking good. So <laughs> I, don't know. I really never watch it except for they've been good lately. So we've been watching it. We live in North Carolina now. Thank God. Oh, nice. Where in North Carolina? Uh, in Chapel Hill. Oh, great. Nice. Yeah, I love it here. I love it here. So, so, okay. So to dig in, first of all, I was interested to know that I know that your expertise is in women's health. How did you get interested in making YouTube videos for men primarily? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I did a urology residency where we take care of men, women, and both. And just because you do a fellowship in something doesn't mean that you lose that education or that knowledge. And so I found that my audience really wanted to learn more about men's sexual health. And so I kind of went for it and I really dug deep into literature. I have lots of colleagues who did fellowships in sexual medicine, who I consult with often. And I've learned so much myself, uh, you know, more nuanced things that aren't taught in typical urology residency. And, you know, I take care of still to this day, many, many men who have problems with sexual dysfunction in an array of areas, including erectile dysfunction, but, you know, lots of different areas, premature ejaculation, low libido, all sorts of things. Yeah. Great. And I mean, my journey is very similar where, you know, I have kind of changed and adapted what I've been doing over the course of time as kind of, I guess my life and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, my, my interest and what falls in my lap takes me and really uh, sex addiction and pornography addiction and masturbation fell into my lap. And it's as it was sitting in my lap, I'm like, hmm, what do I do with this? And then when I, I had no choice, it was in my lap. So I had to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. in doing so, I help people to figure it out for themselves. Well, that's so, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it had to be done. And so I'm so glad that you're talking about it too, because I think the more people that are talking about sex and sexual health, it's to me, it's like amazing as this came to me, I'm like, nobody talks about this. 
And it is at the root sex and unhealthy sexuality and dynamics that are thrown off in relationships due to incongruency. And then especially with internet pornography, just distorting reality for so many men. And again, I'm not seeing it. Like we need to start talking. Anybody who's willing to talk about it needs to start talking about it and everybody can benefit from it. So so I'm I'm glad. Uh, So I was hoping first and foremost, you could uh, give my listeners and viewers and the world a quick and dirty explanation about what a prostate is and how it works and, you know, what, which will springboard us into thinking about how it can can have cancer be created within it or can create dysfunction if you're willing to start there. Start yeah, the beginning. Sure. So prostate, actually I have a model here. I can show. Okay, great. It's a, it. <laughs> a little prostate. Um, so it's a walnut shaped organ that has that your pee that sits below the bladder and your P tube or urethra goes right through it. And so that kind of later will segue into why you have problems. But the purpose of this little organ is to create a, a fluid that's secreted with your ejaculate that helps nourish and protect sperm. So that's kind of the, the function of it. It also has nerves around it that are important for erections. And so that's why a lot of times when you hear about prostate and sexual function, they are um, almost intertwined a lot of the times. Yeah, cool. Okay, great. So, um, so let's, if you're willing to break down some concepts with me, what I'm hoping to dig into is the idea behind, and I know you have one video, actually there's two videos that I thought were interesting and I was glad that you talked about pornography and myth busting around masturbation because I know men with hypersexuality want to hear that masturbation is good for them. So let's yeah. start with what your take on masturbation being good for people. But if that's, if it's okay, first, just kind of framing people who have hypersexuality Generally speaking, the reward centers in their brain have been desensitized, which I know you know that, and their frontal lobes have been deactivated when internet pornography is in the mix, which makes it difficult to make good decisions surrounding this stuff. So, So in terms of masturbation and prostate health, what's your take on that? Well, so I think first off, you know, masturbation, especially in the day of like internet pornography being so abundantly available. I mean, in fact, I just learned recently that from a colleague in India that our friend in India that, you know, men in India really correlate masturbation with pornography. Like they can't separate the two. They wouldn't ever masturbate without pornography. Yeah, which is really interesting. Like men have lost the ability to like use their imagination or other things or be in touch with their bodies. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that masturbation in, in, in a healthy environment is great, right? If you are doing it, um, you know, intermittently and it's not disrupting your day-to-day activity, I think really it's like, would I rather masturbate than go out with my friends? Right. Mm -hmm. Or would I rather Mm -hmm. masturbate than go to work? I mean, I think if that's always like coming into the play where you're like, I'd rather masturbate than do any of those things, then Mm -hmm. that you have a problem. Right. And in that circumstance, you know, you have to balance like 
sure, there are benefits to masturbation, but if it's ruining your life, there's no benefits there. Right. And, and as far as prostate health is concerned, um, you know, there's some data on this, right. There's, it's, it's actually the ejaculation frequency. So not specifically masturbation, but ejaculation frequency. So that means like having intercourse or, you know, a nocturnal emissions, right. When we, meaning that you're having ejaculations at night. So they, they say they did a study and looked at that men who had, you know, ejaculated more than 21 times a month. Uh, mm-hmm. We're less likely to develop prostate cancer. That's not a causation. That's a correlation, which means that yes, they found that this specific cohort was correlated to have less risk of high risk prostate cancer, but that doesn't mean that one causes the other. Um, right. I think it's, it's reassuring for people who do ejaculate frequency in a normal, healthy way, right. That you can continue to do so. And there's no harm in it. Uh, but the groups are different, right. They saw that like these people who are, you know, they're probably a different kind of group that's doing right. 21 times or more versus the people who are doing less because maybe they're less healthy in other ways. Yeah. And actually I've read, I've dug into some of the science in preparation to talk with you. So I know that, um, there's studies that show that that is true for men over 55 is basically, but that's the, the opposite is true for young men. And I don't know if you've seen those studies that show that in men that are 20 and 30, that an increase in the amount of masturbation, which actually the studies parse out masturbation versus healthy sex, which I'd love to talk with you about too. Mm -hmm. Um, parse out masturbation versus healthy sex and showing that when men masturbated more in their twenties and thirties, it actually showed an increase in prostate cancer over the age of 60. It was actually a cool study by Dimitriopolo et al out of the university of Nottingham, where they studied men who developed prostate cancer in their sixties. And then they looked back historically at how they did ejaculate. And the men that masturbated frequently were primarily in the cancer group where the men who had sex frequently were in the healthy group. I thought that was a really interesting finding because what happens with people with hypersexuality, they end up having less sex with their partners because they prefer masturbation because their brains have been desensitized and they need the higher levels of visual stimulation from pornography, unfortunately, mental stimulation and physical stimulation of masturbation. Have you seen any of those studies that show that masturbating when you're young can create the risk of cancer when you're older? And it's vice versa, actually, after the age of 55. Yeah, I'm not sure that, I mean, certainly that's, I haven't seen the studies personally, but, you know, as a, as a person who reads a lot of research, my one thing would be if you're looking backwards, right, it's, it's always biased based on the beholder of, you know, who's looking backwards because it's not prospective and prostate cancer is, there's so many factors, right? The people who are masturbating more may have other poor health habits that are contributing to their prostate cancer development. And so I think that I I really am cautious to like discourage young men because there's also a lot of shame around masturbation that can lead to performance anxiety. So I think so healthy men have to be men, very sure. thoughtful about how you interpret <laughs> those things. Totally. A hundred percent. And, and I know you talked about that in one of your videos because you talked about a survey from 1992 to 2010 and doing retrospective, you know, and a qualitative st- survey that looks back retrospectively over the course of obviously 10 years and remembering can be can be challenging for people to remember just how frequently. Um, But I thought it was interesting because in that study, the, the group that developed cancer 
masturbated less than one time a month. And the group that did develop cancer, they masturbated two to seven times a week. And so to me, like from the viewpoint and the perspective of hypersexuality, most men don't even have the need to masturbate seven times a week unless they do have some hypersexuality um, kind of coming from them and coming from their brains. And especially when we put internet pornography into the mix and yeah, I, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I think that, you know, I, I think many healthy people actually do masturbate daily. I mean, I, I see it all the time and I don't mm-hmm. think that they have poor relation. I mean, like, I think you see it from a hypersexual standpoint because you see all those yeah. people and <laughs> certainly those people exist and there are people where it's detrimental. And I, I just, you know, I think that there are people who do it in a healthy way, not, and I think that the link probably is actually the addiction to pornography and more aggressive masturbation techniques that become, you know, really pathologic. So if you're like um, masturbating against like a a hard surface or really aggressive with your hands or, um, you know, yeah, you get Mm -hmm. used to those like really unhealthy stimulation patterns. And you also, you know, if you're watching a lot of pornography, you can't get satisfied in real life because you're expecting this, you know, this unrealistic expectation where they use visual effects and lights and extra fluid and all sorts of stuff, right. (laughs) To make it look amazing and, um, or whatever, aesthetically appealing to the person watching. And I think that that's, that's the unhealthy part that really triggers all of this, right? Totally. Yeah. And so then when you talk about healthy masturbation, people masturbating in a healthy way daily, like, what does that look like for you? What do you, what do you constitute like a healthy person to be that would have the need to masturbate daily? You know I think some people like have a routine, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I haven't, ta- I haven't like talked to many people specifically about their, that's not like something that comes up in, you know, medical conversations very often, mm-hmm. but I would say that, you know, some people do it as like a stress relief or like it helps them sleep or, you know, it's just like a routine they do, like when they're in the shower or whatever, yeah. and it doesn't disrupt their life. It's not like they're not, they're not into sex with their partner um, or other things. It's just a part of like stress relief and, and kind of helping them sleep, those sorts of things that they're getting benefit from. And so that's how they use it just like they yeah, would meditate yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And for, from my standpoint, when when it comes to hypersexuality, like the need to do that in a routinized way is a marker of a masturbation addiction where like if it's routinized and you need to masturbate to sleep and a lot of people can't sleep without masturbating before they go to bed. A lot of people I work with, then it's because their brain is, is requiring the amount of dopamine that is released through masturbation to be able to regulate their mood. And we know from the science on pornography addiction, which includes masturbation, that people are looking for that dopamine hit to be able to offset mood regulation. But unfortunately, then they don't have healthy mood regulation activities. That's why I was wondering what you thought like was healthy on a daily basis, because I, from what I know, I think that daily masturbation is unhealthy because it's a necessary part of the day to take the edge off instead of regulating in healthy ways. 
Well, I think so. I mean, this is my take on it. And I don't, again, I don't, I'm not an expert in this area. Right. But I think if it's not affecting your quality of life in a negative way, Mm -hmm. right. Like I I think framing it in the way that like, yes, of course, if you can't sleep without it, that's a negative thing. Right. Or if you can't like function without it, like you feel like I'm too stressed. I need to do this right now. um, And I have to leave what I'm doing. Yeah. That's absolutely unhealthy. But if you do it and it's like, I can do without it. Like I don't need to, like I go on vacation. I don't need to do it. Like I'm staying at a friend's house. I don't need to do it, but I use it as a routine because I enjoy it. I think there's a, a difference there. What is what I see is you can be used normally if it's not a dependency. Do you know what I mean? Especially yeah. if it's a dependency with pornography or other things that are in like, you need to watch pornography. Like a lot of people that I, who didn't grow up in this era of internet pornography don't need the porn, right? right? They do it because they are like, thinking about something, feeling stimulated, and then they do it. Right. And so it's not necessarily always associated with this. Like I have to watch this aggressive, non-ethical porn, and then I'm going to go masturbate. Yeah. 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 And porn's highly addictive. So unfortunately in today's day and age, uh, it is, I always tell people that it's, you know, they think it's grabbing them by their penis. It's grabbing them by their brains, whether they know it or not. And, uh, you know, the new science shows that more than 70 percent, it's actually not that new because you know how science goes. It's still backed up a couple of years that 70 percent of men between the ages of 18 and 34 watch porn on a consistent basis, which, you know, we know frequency and consistency leads to adaptation in the brain, which leads to Mm -hmm. escalation, which then leads to increases in intensity and a whole host of problems. And for a lot of people, when they don't have disruption in quality of life due to masturbation earlier in their lives, it unfortunately does escalate and then ends up as addictive later on. And that's people's, that's how it proceeds for many people. That's why I was wondering. So if to, to kind of springboard from there, do you have a sense of what you think a healthy masturbation amount of masturbation per week or per month or like in a really healthy way, what do you think that would look like? Oh, I mean, I can't give you an exact, like I've never, you know, I don't know the data on like how often Uh, people do, but probably like two or three times a week is probably like within normal. Like when I made that video about 21 times of ejaculation per month, I was like, that's Mm -hmm. a lot. Like from from me, that's a lot, right? Like, uh, and then people were like, oh, that's no big, like I got a lot of comments, like that's nothing, right? And I was like, totally, that's my, that's my concern. That's why (laughs) this isn't for me. This is for men. I want men to know, like, you know, in the studies, 21 shows up as a risk factor. 21 times shows up as a risk factor for prostate cancer. And people pretend to be worried about their prostates. The reality is they don't want to give up porn and masturbation, you know? So that's why I'm trying to, people always ask me then what is healthy masturbation? What's the amount? And you know what, from dipping in and, and I know you've talked about prostate stagnate stagnation hypothesis. Like, I didn't know if you had any sense of like, especially I feel for people who are single because like right now we're doing a 30 day, no porn, November challenge. That's, you know, it's a thing out there just like no shave. My daughter rides horses, no stirrup, November. I feel bad. She's got no stirrup, November. I've got no porn, November going on. You know, I feel strange, but um, you know, so somebody asked me yesterday and I'm preparing to answer that. So when I get done with this 30 day challenge, if I succeed, and this is someone who can't stop masturbating and can't stop watching porn, What do I do from there? And they're single. And I know I tell people I have strategies to build healthy intimacy, to move towards healthy sexuality. And in the meantime, it's a slippery slope to have them masturbate. So I didn't know if you had a sense from from the science of like what 
you know, constitutes. Right. So, I mean, if you look at um, like anecdotally, urologists would see men who had like pelvic pain, right? They'd come in with these symptoms of maybe called prostatitis or called something else, but you know, they're, they've got pain in their, in their groin, they've got pain in their, when they get erections, pain with ejaculation. And, and we've found that a lot of those men were just not ejaculating frequently enough. And so you would literally on a script pad, right. Ejaculate two to three times a week. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that would actually relieve their pain. So that's, um, you know, there's not a, I don't think there's any good data on that, but that's kind of something that I will tell people, like, if you are, if you are abstaining and you're getting pain, like you're actually getting like the sensation that you're having pain in the pelvis or pain in the groin. Like it may be because your muscles are super tense. And, and I mean, I personally believe that it's because of a lot of high tone pelvic floor, like the muscles in the pelvis are really tense. And a lot of people carry that around with them. Women, it's easier to identify because we have a vagina that can be examined and mm-hmm. you can feel the muscles. Whereas men, you have to kind of assess that on a rectal examination. And, um, and many people don't really aren't trained to identify that. They'll just say sphincter tone or, you know, but there's actually muscles there that can tense up. And I think that doing the actual practice probably causes some stress relief, which then relaxes those muscles. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that this prostate stagnation hypothesis. I'm not sure I buy it a hundred percent, but you know, who knows? There's, there's no clear evidence really to say one way or the other, but I think that that's actually where we see the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, what I tell people is that comes from, well, muscle tension in our Mm -hmm. entire bodies actually comes from the use of extra fast brain speed called high beta. So our brains use different frequencies of electrical energy Anxiety is caused by overuse of high beta, really fast speed that creates all this muscle tension. So part of what I help people do is create dopamine producing activities that aren't sexually related. So they can decrease the high beta, which helps to decrease that, that muscle hypertension throughout their entire bodies. Yeah. I mean, that's Absolutely. so key for everything like overeating, over drinking, over, you know, over TV, watching over social media use, right? Like we're looking for dopamine in all these other areas. So you need to kind of find healthy ways, exercise, do other things to, to build your dopamine regularly, hug your partner, like, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Oxytocin. Yeah. So I have another question for you that springboards off of what you were just saying. So have you seen people, or, or I'm sure you have, but Hopefully they're sharing this with you. Men who do masturbate a lot or watch internet pornography, and they come to you with pain due to overuse of the prostate. And, you know, going back to the science, not necessarily for your benefit, but for the listener's benefits, the science that I dug into, and you can comment on it if you think it's not right, um, shows that basically, like what I was saying before, the difference in ejaculation through healthy sex and masturbation is totally different because healthy sex with a healthy partner doesn't last one to two to three to four to five hours, which a lot of men, when they masturbate, what they're doing is edging. And so what they do is they'll masturbate for an hour and not, not have an orgasm. Then they'll come back and they'll masturbate for two hours and they'll let the dopamine in their brain build. It's very unhealthy for brains. So like I was thinking about it and I've read some science that kind of, like you said, correlates and supports this idea that it's the opposite of stagnation. It's basically the overuse of the prostate. The prostate's being taxed because of all this masturbation. And then it's not getting the ejaculation in a way that if you had sex with your partner, it would be less stimulating physically, mentally, all that. 
but that it would also run its course in a healthy fashion. And in those science studies that show people who had a lot of sex had healthy prostates and healthy brains, I always tell people, go have sex, have sex seven days a week, have sex, you know, like do that all the time because that's healthy for brains and bodies, but masturbating is different. So have you seen people come in and they go, you know, I masturbate a lot and I've got pain. What do you, what's your take on that in terms of what people can do? I mean, absolutely. I think that there's, it's, it's kind of complex because it's like the porn addiction, the masturbation, the techniques they're using, all those things are contributing to, you know, the, like the blue balls, right? They're, they're, they're constantly, <laughs> they're, they're constantly doing that to themselves and then they're getting pain, right? Like your muscle, every time you about to climax, your muscles clench up, right? Your pelvic floor muscles, and then they are supposed to relax when you climax. But if you don't, right, you're just constantly tensing those muscles up over and over again. And so it's, it, it can be, you know, can lead to those consequences. And trust me, those are the t- most difficult patients to treat. I mean, we, we really spend a lot of time, like go to physical therapy, try all these different things. Like, you know, there's no great pathway to make them better. You know, it's not like it's, it's like you've, you've done damage. That's difficult to undo. You right. Know? Yeah. It's and not- ease off, ease off the porn and masturbation and, and, and porn induced erectile dysfunction. I know you've talked about it. Um, where, you know, we see science supports it, that erectile dysfunction in young men is through the roof since the, uh, you know, the beginning of internet pornography. And in my field, there's kind of two, there's contemporary pornography addiction versus classic pornography and masturbation addiction. Old school is mostly born out of trauma because people end up, you know, it's long and involved, but new school is that the brain's just been hijacked by all the levels of dopamine stimulation. So now erectile dysfunctions through the roof. Do you think most urologists are aware of that? Because so many people come to me and they'll say, I went to my doctor. He sent because they have erectile dysfunction or, you know, actually they have depression, anxiety. They have all this health anxiety, health issues, go to their doctor, but they don't tell their doctors about porn. And so then they go to urologists. They don't tell their urologists about porn use or masturbation. Do you think many urologists are asking the question, do you watch porn? Think, do you masturbate I think a lot? If you are um, going to someone who has an interest in erectile dysfunction or is an expert, then yes. But if not, I mean, you're, you know, it's like, there's a pathway for erectile dysfunction. People just start going through it. I think for a lot of young men, I refer everyone to physical therapy because on, a, in, in, on top of it, they have this high tone pelvic floor that's causing actually decreased blood flow to the penis and they have performance anxiety. So if them to a sex therapist because they're like, oh, I can't do what I saw in pornography. And you know, they're they're not going to totally. come and tell That's, they're not going to come yeah. and tell us that, especially not me, right? I'm like a young female urologist. They yeah. until they get to know me, they're not going to feel comfortable telling me that. And I'm aware of that, right? So yeah. Yeah. I think that I know I hope I'm trying to build awareness and I hope people will tell their urologist because their brains are at stake too. Like we know that this is very damaging for brains and And I feel like we're at this precipice where nobody's talking about it and they're not getting the help that they need. They're not being told what they need early on. And then they just continue with porn and masturbation because nobody wants to bring it up. So hopefully more people will bring it up to their urologists like you and be able to, you know. Also, I did want to go back to the comment you made about masturbating for hours. I don't think that's normal at all. I, I think that, you know, masturbation is meant to be a short 
you know, endeavor, <laughs> just like <laughs> sex. I mean, you're not going to have sex for hours and hours. You may have foreplay for hours and hours, but you're not going to have sex for, um, you know, that thank last, you for saying last. that because I tell people <laughs> arousal has to be built. Like real sex is the opposite of porn sex, porn sex. You, you click it on and everybody's all aroused and they go at it for hours. Yeah. Real sex is it takes a long time or actually you want it to build arousal over time. And then, you know, the heavy duty part is short. So exactly. thank you exactly. for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, so if you look at the average is about five or so minutes from pet for the penetrative mm-hmm. component of intercourse, but there's mm-hmm. a lot more to it and people need to be in the right headspace, particularly female partners. It's a little less, um, I think the, the normal things that stimulate men don't stimulate women as easily. So it just takes a little bit of time, especially when you're in a monogamous relationship with someone, you need to like be together, touch each other, like lie together. It doesn't just like, you don't get this spontaneous desire like you did when you were in high school, right? Where you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I got to go for it. You actually have to build that. And it's really an important part of a normal, healthy, happy sexual relationship. Yeah, definitely. And in one of the videos you talk about masturbation, not, you know, not meaning, not being an indicator that you have a bad relationship. And actually when I watched that, I was thinking she's totally right. But at the same time, when people masturbate all the time to pornography, it distorts a relationship and science shows again, you know, I love me some science science shows that like the top five things, not even the really violent things and the really, you know, intense genres in porn, the five basic things that people are watching aren't things that women like. So men are being conditioned to think that these are things that women like. And so then just inadvertently on accident, because their brains get hijacked by those acts, they try to do them with their partners. Now their partner doesn't necessarily want to be with them because it involves these things that aren't arousing for women. And so in masturbation, (laughs) coupled to the acts when they're watching it, you know, what we know from the brain science is that when men watch those acts, they're fetishes, I'm sure you understand, you know, those ideas, men's brains get linked to those acts as the things that are arousing to them. So half the reason they have porn induced erectile dysfunction, which shows up with their partners is because their brain can't get there in terms of arousal because they need the thing that they see in the screen. Yeah. I think it's it's a challenge, right? Because I think that Health, like healthy, like non-porn induced masturbation, right? You read a book, you watch it, you you see somebody, you get excited, you smell something, whatever that gets you excited yeah. and you masturbate. That's great. And actually, you know, really healthy. And, and it shouldn't be like partners shouldn't see their, their other partner masturbating as a threat to them or a negative thing. But again, I think it's really the pornography. That's the problem because it's creating all these issues as you've described. And, and like, I think the masturbation, if you're doing it like literally without pornography in a normal time frame and not addicted to it, right. Not needing it to, to not needing it essentially. Um, I think that's, that's healthy. And that's where the, the line is kind of drawn in my mind. Yeah. Very fine line, a very difficult one for people to right. self-awareness is so low for people. So like for this 30 day, no porn November challenge, my goal is if I can keep people from going back into the screen across the 30 days, the self-awareness of where they're at in this thing should increase. Like hopefully some of them will be successful, but self-awareness is so low where they are in this whole thing. So that line is very difficult for men to be able to parse out until they, you know, I always say when you're in the box, you can't even see the box. And when you come out of the box, you're like, wow, that actually was impacting me in a significant way. Yeah. Um, 
uh, you know, so that's where it becomes really difficult. Um, okay. So before we wrap up, do you have anything? I think this conversation has been amazing to try to help people parse out like what healthy masturbation is and how to ascertain. Um, do you have any other, anything I missed that you think would be good to share with people so that they can get a handle on kind of where they're at in this thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this, but I think finding ethical porn, porn that's like made with obviously consent, but also more realistic, uh, you know, and, and, and more, you know, like kind of also favors female pleasure and not just male pleasure is going to, you know, I think that porn is, I think the problem is really that what, what, what the porn industry is making, right. It's like yeah, what the yeah. content and, is. And actually I just had a conversation. I should get my, my colleague on so we can discuss, uh, he was saying how he thinks that porn will be like coffee, you know, like ethically sourced in the future yeah. and the problem. And I like, I can't recommend that for people. Unfortunately, I wish I could, because people are like a soft porn better. I'm like, yeah, it's better except for people who are really, and, and they actually don't even have to be that deep. Like what the brain sciences show is that after a second exposure to porn, which usually happens to men when they're 10 yeah. after the second exposure, their brains have already recalibrated the homeostasis in terms of the amount of dopamine and has linked their brain. And the way I talk about it is being a fourth wall, you know, observer. So their brains have been conditioned to view sex instead of experience it. And so they have to make this journey from being an observer to conditioning their brains to be a participant and that is the biggest transition that people have difficulty with. And that's actually what gets worse over time with porn consumption. So to be, to tell them, to tell them like watch softer porn just still keeps them in that observer. And we know science is showing men are, are preferring porn over young men are watching porn instead of having sex. There's more men ever yes. having yes. sexual relationships, having less sexual relationships because they just watch porn. So when you tell them, watch better porn for you. It's still like endorsing. Don't go find partners to have sex with. And there's so much wrapped up in it. Like there's yeah. rejection. Well, I guess I just, I just wonder like, and this is a thought, right? Like, how do you, like, you can't get rid of it. Right. So it's like, how do you make that? Cause it's going to happen. Right. And it's going to be long before they're watching our channels, but they're going to be little kids. <laughs> right. Like, so so how do you, how do you like get that message across? Right. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'll tell you what I'm doing. At least what I'm yeah. doing is I've created a nonprofit organization, which I'm in the midst, midst of establishing to create sex education, a digital program that I'm going to attempt to get into as many youth organizations and schools to teach middle schoolers and high schoolers the dangers of pornography and the there's science that supports increases in anxiety, depression, anger, irritability, like all mental health issues are up. And there's a correlation to porn use because we know so many kids are watching it. Women too, young women are watching it because yeah. if you just think about it, they, they're not even accessing drugs or alcohol anymore. People have dopamine in their pocket. So they're at lunch watching porn They're and, and their brains become conditioned early on to go to the dopamine in their pocket anytime they feel anxious, but it mm -hmm. creates more anxiety. So mm -hmm. I've created a, I'm, establish a nonprofit. I'm going to raise money and hopefully get this program in schools to tell kids. <laughs> and I have, I have six children. I don't know if you know this. So this has been a massive framework shift for me because now I am growing up teenagers and I'm telling them, go 
have healthy sex, become sexual beings. Where if you asked me 10 years ago, what I would tell them about porn, it would be don't watch porn. Don't have sex. Now it's don't watch porn, find yourself a honey and start wanting to have sex with him or her, which is totally a weird framework shift for me. And and well, they're going to do it right. I think it's a matter of like teaching them how to do it safely. And so I'm with you on that, you know, know, back in the day and talk about shame and guilt that people have over masturbation and sex. Like, you know, my parents still don't talk about sex with me. I have six children. I'm in a brown household. You don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like chillo. I know what sex is. I have six kids. How do you think everyone's like, you know how this is happening? I'm like, yes, healthy sexuality. But you know, so I tell my kids, I tell my kids the dangers of porn, like, you know, on their brains. And then I'm like, you know, you really want to establish healthy sexuality. It's a weird thing. I told a story on one of my videos the other day, my son went over to this girl's house to do this paper mache. I didn't know this until later on, but I was glad he felt comfortable telling me he made this like, you know, kind of like a pinata, the paper mache mm-hmm. of this girl's abdomen as like an art project. And then she made one of his and he was so excited. And then he's telling me how erotic it is. Like, basically, I'm looking <laughs> at like, like, and I'm trying not to like react because I'm like, first of all, it's super cool. He feels comfortable telling me 17 and a half. He's going to be 18 in three months, yeah. you know, two months actually now. But I'm I'm like kind of paralyzed. Like, I don't even know what to do in this conversation right now because my parents would have gone don't touch up girls. And like, I cannot talk about this. And I said, sounds like a cool experience. What did her parents think? Cause he said that her parents walked in, but her parents are neurologists and a surgeon. And they, they acted like I did probably glad to see them like, you know, obviously having the beginnings of eroticism. So that's what I tell people, find someone that you're interested, not, not 20 people out one night, find one person who really sparks that in you develop intimacy, develop the beginnings of healthy sexuality and eroticism. But, you know, so I tell my kids do not watch porn and I'm trying to raise daughters that aren't hypersexual on the other end. And I don't know if you see anything with women's health in this regard, like on the other end, you know, my daughters come out in little tiny shirts and, you know, they're being conditioned to be the objectified in the hypersexual world. And Mm -hmm. I, but I don't shut that down either. I just try to teach them how to be beautiful, but comfortable of themselves for sure. So it's tricky stuff in this world right now. I I think you have have kids, right? I have two, two boys. Um, Yeah. How old uh, are they? They're eight and five. So we we think about how to talk about consent and, um, and, you know, make sure that both parties are um, sober. That's a big issue these days, I think in in colleges. And so um, that's what we talk about at home. Well, we don't talk about it with them yet, but that's what me and my husband talk about how we're going to bring it up and talk about it. And, you know, I have like condoms, all that, like they're, you know, I'm ready to give it to them when they're old enough, you know, that sort of stuff. But absolutely. um, Yeah, I know it's crazy. But I think um, for women, what I see, and this is kind of off topic, but it's, it really, and it is that women come because they have pain with sex, but they like are like, oh, it's no big deal. Right. It's like I've always had pain with sex. I ask it as part of my intake. I mean, women see for incontinence for other things. And I'm like, wait, this is a big deal. <laughs> like we need yeah. to address this. And um, and very often I'll find, you know, either uh, vestibulodynia, high tone pelvic floor, and you know, they'll be helped with things like just hormonal creams or physical therapy. And um, and you know, it's it's a big deal, right? It's a really big issue. And I think women are just used to saying, Oh, it's supposed to hurt, yeah, or yeah. it's Oh, I know. In in my mind, you know how this works. Your mind goes where it's conditioned to go. Like everything. My mind goes like, 
you know, I have to wonder what the sexual experiences that they're having are because young men are conditioned to have rough sex. That's what they're looking for because that's what they're, you know, at least 75% of them are watching. Someone told me, one of my clients actually told me that there was a TV show that I have not seen where like it's two young people starting to get it on and the guy slaps the girl (laughs) and the girl's like, and it was because he watched porn and it was supposed to be like a, you know, the girl's looking at him. Yeah. And he's like, that doesn't turn you on, (laughs) you know? And it's like, he was telling me like, can you believe like now it's even showing up in pop culture shows about how this is affecting young people and how they yeah. They interact, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And it's, and you're totally right. It's very difficult. And I tell people who are really addicted to porn, like if you have to, you know, lower the intensity, but it usually doesn't work for people. It's a slippery slope, like yeah. even Instagram and social media and YouTube, people have to go off of social media altogether. And some people, I said this, I run a group and you should have seen these couple of people, it was like 20 people, their eyes widened when they said it's impossible to get away from sexuality popping up on your, your Google and you know, all your feeds. And I said, guess how many, how many women that are scantily clad pop up on my phone? And they're looking at me like, yeah, thousands. Right. I go, none. (laughs) Like it's popping up because of what you search. Yeah. Like, you know, what pops up on mine is brain stuff, the Enneagram personality, you know, <laughs> like all the stuff, recipes for pumpkin butter, you know, like well, that's the stuff that pops up and, and their eyes are like looking at me like what? And I'm like, when you come out of those sites, Google knows what you you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So when you come out of those sites, it's going to serve you up. One thing I have people do to help improve their brains is I call it an executive function project to refire up the frontal lobe, resensitize the brain, teach the brain that you can't get sexually aroused in one second with the easy button, or you can't, you know, people lose their jobs because of porn and masturbation. Like they have to retrain their brain to, to work at something, get a small reward to work towards a larger reward. And that's what this project is. But, you know, I tell people find something that you care about. One guy was talking about bowling last week and, you know, like if you care about bowling, start searching up bowling because before you know it, Google's going to serve you up bowling stuff instead of women. But, you know, it's very difficult for many men to stay away from that on social media and, you know, everywhere it's everywhere. Yeah. Even in like groups, right. They'll be in groups with their guy friends and they'll like send pictures of, you know, attractive women. I mean, it's, I think it's very hard for them. I agree. I mean, even if they, even if they change the algorithms, like it's going to come from their friends and their, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading, I'm reading this book by Justin Baldioni. I just started, it's called man enough. He's an actor. Actually. I don't really know who he is, but the book is interesting because it's like a framework shift on masculinity. I think I might be one of the only women reading it because it's designed for men, but I was talking to my husband about it. And he was saying that when he went golfing, he was saying to his friends, like, cause his friends would get up there and like, when they were going to hit the ball, his one friend's like, slap that bitch, like yelling out. And, and my husband's like, can't we do better as men? <laughs> and he's like, all the guys are looking at him like, is he serious? Is he kidding? <laughs> and yeah. because we have these conversations all the time now and his friends are like, and he's like, I'm pretty sure we can do better as men when we're golfing. And he came <laughs> home and told me that story. And I'm like, I'm reading this book. And that's basically it. Like even the language is supporting you know, and young men are learning this and old men are perpetuating it. Yeah. And These it's societal a societal things are really, really a challenge. I mean, we had this conversation yeah. in a women's group recently about how, you know, drinking the wine down Wednesdays or whatever with moms is like, so 
like pervasive and it was like sick of it being like a normal thing, right? Like it shouldn't be. There's so many alcoholic women, right? Oh my gosh. Alcoholism is through the roof for women. It's higher than it's ever been. And actually I think it's correlated to porn use. Of course, you know how my brain works now is that, you know, porn use is through the roof. It's creating this ripple effect in relationships. Women don't totally know that their men are watching porn, but they know that their sex life is weird and their relationship is weird and more women are drinking than ever. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah. And, and it's being normalized. So we're looking for dopamine everywhere, That's everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for your time yeah. today. Your I time. really appreciate it. I think it sheds light for people. Hopefully they will enjoy, uh, hearing some, some straight facts from you. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Great. Thanks for having me.